You're listening to Things of Faith. Welcome to our Things of Faith podcast with Pastor Scott Hawkins and Pastor Michael Stoops. How you doing, Stoops? Hey, I'm doing great, Scott. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I'm glad to do this. We're we're putting together the end of this little, I would say, this series. I don't know what Things of Faith turns into or what it becomes, but uh, our goal is to move through Orthodox Christian theology so that you can listen to it with your parents or your parents with their kids. Uh, probably like, you know, we're shooting for middle schoolers, high schoolers, so a little bit more, a um, little older than just a, a small kid that can have some conversations around Christian doctrine. So you walk into church and you're not surprised. Uh, you kind of know the basics. And our goal is for these to be conversation starters so that you guys can have enough information to have a conversation. Today we are moving into what we're going to call personal eschatology. And the first part of that is the next episode will be on kind of world eschatology. So what happens to the overall cosmos and the world. But we're going to begin with individuals. Now, the word eschatology needs to be defined. So eschatology in its simplest form is just what happens at the end times, what happens in the last days, um, is the simplest way to understand it. And so it is questions around judgment, questions around heaven, questions around hell, and questions around life forever with God would be eschatology. That's that fair, Stoops? Yeah, and I think I think what we're focused in on to just like really hit the nail on the head is to say when we talk about personal eschatology is like the end of your days. So what happens when you die? What happens when you die? Right. Yes. Good. What happens when you die? And then when Jesus comes back. And so the truth of the matter is, is all of us, except for one generation who are alive when Jesus comes back, will die. Now, it's fair to begin that this surprised Paul. <laughs> he, he, in First Thessalonians in particular, seems to clump himself into the category of when we who are still alive are around when Jesus comes back, we are going to then um, go up after those who have died. And so for him, he's thinking, hey, I'm in the group of people who are going to be alive and alert when Jesus comes back. To his surprise, um, although later in his life, I think he kind of accepted, oh, this is going to be longer than I thought. Right? I mean, Paul really thought well, Jesus was coming back really, really soon and okay, this might be longer than I think. Yeah, and I think you you see it in itself in the New Testament, right? You do have some indication of this idea that the um, the second coming of Jesus would be sooner yeah. rather than later. Um, but uh, I mean, even for example, within uh, the Gospel of Luke, there's parables about the the son of the vineyard leaving, and he's going. The master of the vineyard is going to return, but he he tarries, right? Yeah. Which is the old English way of saying he he waits a while. He waits, and so even so, even very early on, within the first or second generation, um, you know, sometimes you'll hear scholars or historians go, "Oh, well, they, you know, they." You know, for generations they thought this. Oh, they they were just like, "Hey, Jesus went up to heaven. Yeah. Like, when is he going to return? Right, of course, probably going to be soon." Um, that we need to, you know, you wouldn't want to expect out. it to be late and it to be soon, right? 
That's like the worst yeah. case scenario is like, oh, well, he'll come and whenever. No, better to be expecting him soon. In fact, a great line that just pops into my mind with this is uh, Martin Luther says, live every day as if Christ died yesterday, rose today, and is coming back tomorrow. Right? I mean, what a beautiful way to, to live your mm-hmm. life. And so I think that's a great, great way to be. Jesus also says that um, he doesn't know when he's coming back. The Father only knows that he is sent by the Father and the Father will tell him when the right time is. So there is a huge unknown about when he comes back. And I will give you this piece of advice that if you are at a church somewhere or if you are at some college youth group or, or something's happening and someone claims to know the exact date when Jesus is coming back, leave get out leave that is trouble (laughs) there's trouble brewing for you Mm -hmm. so pastoral advice whenever anyone says july 3rd 2028 just turn around and walk out because anything after that is going to be trouble (laughs) so yeah well yeah and the uh I, i did a whole class about looking at that kind of phenomena of of predicting the end date across different religions, yeah. even. and especially has been been an issue in within Christianity, particularly in the mid 1800s. There was a group called the Millerites <laughs> who came out of New upstate York. New York <laughs> yeah. after out of Western New York, and uh, and they they the the dude uh, William Miller he had he had done all the math yep. and all the calculus and figured sure it out is. down to the date. And well, predicted the end of the world. It didn't happen. Nope. So then he's like, "Oh, I think I messed up the math. Yes. Um, there's no year zero. I'm off I'm by off. a year. That's the thing." So he sets the next date, and uh, obviously, uh, spoiler alert: the world didn't end. Didn't end. And it, it became known as the the Great Disappointment. Yes. Um, because there be there were I mean there were people that like you know shuttered up their business and yeah. actually they they Sold had everything. signs that said, "Jesus, you know, Jesus is coming back." Adios, and. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, they had to go back to their shops the next right. day. Break up with your girlfriend. He's coming back anyway. Wait a second. Will you have me back, please? <laughs> um, no, it's – and then that one – and then that eventually led to the witnesses, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, kind of going underground and popping back up. Um, yeah, more more of the Seventh-day Adventists have, have yeah. some ties in there. Yeah, and and then we also have in that same like time period the Mormons – which is really interesting, like how all that came out. But we'll talk about that some other time, some other days. So mm-hmm. when when we die then, what happens? Mm-hmm. There is um, a knowledge gap in our understanding. And I think part of it comes out of this truth we just talked about, that the death of those in faith um, surprised people. And so they weren't totally ready to answer this question. And so one couple of facts we know. We know that we are born. We know that Jesus Christ saved us by his death and resurrection. One day we will die, and then he will come back. Those are like tent posts there for sure. Where we go between our death and Jesus coming back is a hotly debated topic amongst Christians. And this is a topic that you'll hear on football games. You know, my grandma was looking down for me and giving me that energy to run that touchdown. And you pause and go, well, is that is that how it works? Is that is that what happens? Um, and so there are a lot of different theories on it. And I would say the spectrum ranges from 
utter true death where you are your body dies and your spirit is unaware somehow with god and then you are resurrected in a resurrection body that's one version two a full awareness um, in the presence of god waiting for the resurrection and those are the spectrum um, that it falls on we have very little scripture though to guide us into this section of time between death and Jesus is coming back. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the way, not necessarily put total death, because I think that would be more kind of like an atheist conception of just your body dies, decays everything. Like we do believe that there's an immaterial part of ourselves, the soul. Right. Um, but like soul sleep, I think yeah. is kind of more That's what you're referring word. to. That's a word that people use as soul sleep, uh, um, in the yeah. presence of God, not aware, but like you're asleep and you wake up and it's the morning, you mm. are in the presence of God and you're... Um, then you wake up and you're in the resurrection and here we are. And that, that's one version Two, I think there are, there is a, there are groups that will say that there's a a certain amount of awareness in that period. Um, that, that again, we just don't have much scripture on. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And so I, you know, obviously, you know, look, look, look at your Bibles for yourselves. Um, I think what is important is for us to base our positions about what happens when we die on scripture. Yeah. Um, because there's just so many misconceptions out yes. there. And I mean, goodness, you know, you just turn on television and what are you going to see? Well, you're going to see, uh, well, we die and we become these like angels sitting on clouds, uh, you know, uh, playing harps. Um, sometimes it's, you know, uh, having just kind of this escape button from the world. Right. Um, I, I think that it's important for us to, you know, to, to come back to what the, what the scriptures say and then debate over what the scriptures say, holding yeah. it with an open hand, while yeah. well, knowing what, you know, what our convictions are from the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, et cetera. Yes. And the idea of, yeah. like, being in heaven with a robe, with a harp, is not in scripture. It's good on TV. There's good movies. But that would be one of the places that we could say, that's not going to happen. No. Um, we're, we're not in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. No, we're not in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. The the greatest comfort that I take out of Scripture when I look at all of the Scriptures as well as think about my own death is wherever I am and to what level of awareness I have, I am in the presence and love of God in the same way that I am in the presence and love of God today. Using Romans 8, you know, for neither death nor life nor angels will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the, the place that I am in is held in the love of God. I am not absent from him. I am with him. Um, I personally don't think I am aware. I don't think I'm sitting there waiting, watching my, my future relatives. And that would bring us into a question on God's relationship to time and our relationship to time and all sorts of things. But I do know and feel certain that wherever that is, whatever that is, I'm in the love of God. So whether I'm, I'm in the love of God like a baby is in the arms of their mother, held, safe, protected, napping, um, is probably the image that I hold on to the closest. Hmm. That's interesting because, I, I mean, I think I might disagree a little bit in that yeah. I think there is a little bit more awareness. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think we, we agree on, on a lot yeah, here. Th- and, again, this is the area yeah, I think. 
that mm. there's <laughs> there's yeah. not a lot of scripture to jump into. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this and this is what just for kind of theological sake, this is what we call the intermediate state because Good. both Scott and I agree that you know heaven is not the final destination, right? right? So we'll, we'll come we're back to that right now is not the end. Yes, exactly. Yes. Because we die, there's there's some kind of intermediate state, whether it's more a soul sleep position or, or I'll, I can argue a little bit for a little bit more of a conscious disembodied experience. But either way, what we know for certain, absolutely certain when Jesus returns is that there'll be the resurrection of the living and the dead. There we go. And we are, our souls will be reunited with glorified, yep. resurrected bodies. And our experience of eternal life there will not be disembodied. No. It will be very embodied as God intended very, for us to be from the beginning. Very, very, very physical. That in the way yep. that we have a physical existence today where there is taste, touch, smell, sight, all those things, you are going to be a physical existence. Now, what does that look like? Again, we're not exactly sure, but God does not think of us as just a flesh cup with a spirit inside of it. Mm. Yeah, we are absolutely. resurrected with our bodies and with a physical nature. And um, I believe that there's going to be work, that we will be working. What does that mean? Working the ground, working. I don't know what that is. Uh, we're not just going to spend every day in a pew of a church singing holy, holy, holy. I think we will be doing that action by by working in the garden of God, by being in his presence, by all of that will be shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is mm -hmm. and is to come. And so we'll live in that reverent state. But it's not going to be just a, 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 a everlasting church service with an organ <laughs> yeah. playing. I, I know. I think we've we've all heard the preacher <laughs> say something like that. And we're just like, oh, Lord, I mean, please like, no. hey, like, please I work no. <laughs> in the church. I like church, but I, I you know, please, yeah, no. I, please not. Please yeah. not. Um, yeah. And, and it's and not scriptural. A, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, and I would encourage everyone, uh, if if you never have, read Revelation uh, twenty and twenty one. Yep. Um, to to see just how it's laid out, and it's laid out as a city, as um, a city where there is no darkness, a city yep. where there's no sin, a city where there's no death, and yet uh, a city is one that is bustling and active, right. and there is and there's a feast creation, and uh, yeah, feast. Um, in the earlier chapter, reference to the the wedding feast of the Lamb. Um, and, uh, and, and then again, part of it can be like, well, how do, how do we know that we're going to be resurrected from the dead? How do we know that we're going to have new bodies? Well, that's because that's Jesus. That, right? There you go. <laughs> like, and in fact, that's the interesting point about the gospels is they make this point again and again, that yep. he is still embodied, even yep. in this glorified yep. body, he still eats fish with the disciples. So like important. He, yeah, it's it's and it's one of those details you can just skip over and be like, that's really weird. I thought he's a ghost now. No, it's it's in fact to prove we're not meant to be ghosts forever. Every every forever. place the disciples engage with the resurrected Jesus, there is this open-ended question that you can almost feel the gospel writers struggling with of what is this resurrected body? Because mm, it it eats and it sits down at a table um, with the people on the road to Emmaus. It, but yet it walks through walls and it and it disappears just randomly and it shows up. But he grills on the lake shore. He takes fish with his hands and starts a fire and makes breakfast for them and eats with them in a very physical way. And so there's this big question that I think the gospel authors are are left asking of 
well, what the heck is the body of Jesus? It's, it's like ours. It does things like ours, but it's not like ours also. And so that is the major clue to our resurrected selves is the body of Jesus Christ because he is still in that body today. Which is yeah, which is which is such a neat thing to to realize that presently in paradise in heaven, human flesh is there is there, his, whatever that is, and and I just preached on this and it was so cool to be able to say to the people so because it was Ascension Sunday on Sunday, hey so the body that ascended into heaven is going to be the body you see when he comes back. That's a neat thought. Like that he's, he doesn't just, you know, age or change or whatever. Um, So there will be a physicality to the resurrection and the physicality is a very, very important piece for us to keep in our minds as we think about the future, because it is so tempting to just make us, as I, as I brought the illustration, you know, a spirit wearing a flesh suit. And we'll take that off that flesh suit. Now we're our spirit selves. No, there's. it's so important that we are all of that mixed together. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's what I think protects us from a whole lot of error, not just in how we understand what happens when we die and when we're going to be raised from the dead, but also just how we care for our bodies now. Good. Like a lot of people wouldn't, you know, in a conversation about death and heaven and hell and stuff, like they're you know, I, I guess you wouldn't necessarily think that that would have any bearing on yeah. like how we treat our bodies today, or do we value our physicality and our our bodies? And yes, absolutely, God God values right. them so much so, so that He's going to resurrect them yeah. and glorify them. And He values this earth, right? There's mm-hmm. there's a temptation yeah. to then just be like, well, it's all going to burn up in the judgment anyway and be disintegrated. So why do we need to care for it? Let's just use it, abuse it, take advantage of it. Um, no, the earth is a place that God loves, God created, God is going to restore. And so we are waiting for that day as well. So having a, a reverence, a healthy respect for the things that God made is important. Of course, not, not giving the same priority to the tree as a human, but still looking at it and saying, God cares about his creation. He thinks it's important. So I better care about it as well. And, you know, that, that simple answer that, well, Jesus cares about it. Therefore I should care about it should be enough (laughs) for us. We don't need more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so it's, it's kind of interesting that a, a conversation that we can think about is just for the future is actually something that is incredibly relevant for today and how we look at our world, how we look at each other, how we look at creation and, how we've been called to be agents of hope and light and, and gospel truth in it. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, just a quick kind of summary of of what we've talked about. Eschatology, talking about things of the last times. And there will come a day when we die. And there will be an intermediate state when we are in some kind of holding pattern. And uh, what our awareness level is to be debated. Then Jesus will come back. And he will make a new heavens and a new earth. That earth and that new heavens will be physical. It will be, um, it will be things you can 
taste, touch, smell, the only clue we have of that body, that physicality, is the body of Jesus and his body that the gospel authors engaged and talked about and spoke to us of. And so we wait for that day to come. But until that day comes, we recognize that God has made us as physical beings and our physical beings impact our spiritual lives as well. And so we can't just uh, deny or mistreat the physicality of ourselves today. No one's going to be dead or destroyed. No, it is important to God today and it will be resurrected in the future. Is that a fair summary? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, the, the good news of Jesus will ring true for eternity and it rings true today. Yeah, there you go. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, guys, um, we have a couple more plans to to wrap up our time together. We hope that you are enjoying these as much as we're enjoying making them for you and look forward to seeing you all um, at some point in the future. See you, Stoops. All right, take care, Scott. God bless. You're listening to Things of Faith.